Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. It's Curious City, where we take your questions about Chicago and the region and investigate, report, explore from WBEZ. Hi there. I'm Lauren Chuljin, former politics reporter for WBEZ. I'm now at New Hampshire Public Radio. But boy, do I miss Chicago. (sighs) Anyway, as a treat to podcast listeners, Curious City is pulling out this classic story that I reported three years ago about Jane Byrne. It started with a question from Chicagoan Shana Jackson. Why does Jane Byrne, our first and only female mayor, not have anything, not a street, building, school named after her in the city of Chicago. Okay, like I said, this is a rerun. So you'll hear me talking about some things that are about to happen, like Jane Byrne getting a plaque. That has actually happened since the story first aired. And the other sad news you may have heard, Jane Byrne passed away in November of 2014, a few months after we first broadcast this story. But before all that, back in August of 2014, when we were reporting this, Chicago City Council had just renamed the park around the water tower, Jane Byrne Plaza, and they were looking for other ways to honor Byrne, too. So I took Shana to a meeting of the Finance Committee. They were considering several proposals about Jane Byrne, including dedicating a memorial plaque. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. The meeting will come to order. One by one, aldermen stood up in support of Jane Byrne, some even thanking her for what she had done for Chicago. She is truly an icon, but she's also an inspiration to us that are women. Uh, to go on further than where we are today. She was a take-charge mayor, wanted to make sure that everybody lived here across this city, had uh, uh, opportunities for everybody. As a member of the gay community, uh, the gay community wouldn't be where it's at without Jane Byrne and her hats, and she was one crazy lady. And and we loved her for it. In a good way. The proposal passed unanimously. And And after all the excitement died down, our question asker, Shana Jackson, told me how much fun this meeting was and how nice it was to hear Alderman say so many wonderful things about Jane Byrne. And to anyone new to the city council like Shana, all this fanfare and public display of affection for Jane Byrne makes it sound like passing this proposal was a no-brainer. But as it turns out, this meeting was decades in the making. Now, even though Jane Byrne will soon have a plaque and a park with her name on it, that still doesn't answer Shana's question as to why it took so long. Now, before anything else, let's double check whether Shana's question is way off base. I mean, maybe city council has named only a few things after former mayors, and maybe it only happens long after they've passed away. To clear this up, I'd like to call in my colleague, Trisha Bobita, who's done some digging to find out which mayors had things named for them and when. Okay, Lauren, I'm going to take it from here. And while my projector warms up, I should tell you that I found at least 20 times when an official city asset like a bridge, road, or school was named after a Chicago mayor. Okay, I'm ready. Let's start with the most recent mayor to leave office, Mayor Richard M. Daley. He left the fifth floor office in May of 2011 and had the Richard M. Daley Branch Public Library dedicated to him just two months later. Richard M. Daley, by the way, is still alive. Example number two, Richard J. Daley. Papa Daley has a lot of things around town named for him. One example in particular is the Richard J. Daley Center downtown. 
named for him just days after he died in office. Now, here's an interesting one. Example number three, Mayor Thomas Hoyne. Wait a second, he wasn't even technically a mayor. His election was deemed illegal. But even still, Hoyne Avenue and Hoyne Elementary School are named after him. So, as you can see, there's quite a range. Sometimes it doesn't take long for a Chicago mayor to have something named for him. Other times, it happens when a mayor dies. Okay, so now we know many things have been named after mayors, and some just months after leaving office. But for Mayor Jane Byrne, history played out a little differently. Let's pretend, fair listener, you are a member of Chicago City Council today, and it's up to you to decide if Byrne earned her plaque in the plaza. Here are some of her hits and misses, starting with the infamous blizzard of 1979, the one that got her into the mayor's office. Side streets still unpassable. Public transportation snarled, expressways buried, O'Hare Airport closed for one of the few times in its history. This is turning out to be Chicago's winter of discontent, all right. Then Mayor Michael Bolandic's administration famously botched handling this major snowstorm, giving mayoral candidate Jane Byrne a leg up on her victory over him and the so-called machine in the 1979 Democratic primary. Byrne served just one term, from 79 to 83, but many credit her with being the brainchild behind the Jazz Fest, the Taste of Chicago, the revitalization of Navy Pier, and for bringing public transportation to both airports. But some remember how she drove the City Hall press corps nuts by giving one answer to one reporter in the elevator, and then giving a different reporter a different answer by the time she reached the fifth floor. And then there's her controversial decision, which some recall as a PR stunt, to move into the Cabrini Green public housing development. They are going to reclaim, and I'm quoting, the streets of Cabrini Green. And we are. Then there's the protest that erupted when she held a public Easter celebration during her stay there. And speaking of protests, she was mayor during the big Chicago firefighter strike in early 1980, as well as strikes by Chicago teachers and CTA workers. But here's the thing. Those historical facts and whether to love or revile Jane Byrne's time in office haven't changed since she left office in 1983. So what happened? Why did it take so long for city council to vote on whether to name something after her? Of course, with politics, there's never just one person or one answer that can tell the entire story. But when she spoke to WBEZ back in 2004, she said there was one thing that surprised her about being mayor. I think the City Hall reporters felt that, you know, they had always covered Mayor Macho uh, as far as Mayor Daley was concerned. Mayor Blandick they sort of liked. And now they've got somebody in a pink suit in high heels and it's not their cup of tea. And I didn't fit. And if anything surprised me, it was the reaction of people to the fact that there was a woman there. So I spoke with a lot of people for this story, and several pointed to sexism. But there was one answer that came up even more frequently. Mayor Richard M. Daly. There's an old adage, young lady. It's called Irish Alzheimer's. You forget everything but your grudges. And the Daly family and the Byrne family have been grudging themselves for a long time. 
Paul Green is the director of the Institute of Politics of Roosevelt University. He says some of the delay in getting Byrne honored in any way is because she was not the most popular mayor. She didn't have much grassroots support then or now. But he says for the most part, Mayor Richard M. Daley is to blame. I think it just became something personal. I don't have all the stories and I wouldn't reveal them if I did. But the reality is, is that it turned into a blood feud. Richard Daly did everything possible to uh, make the world forget she ever existed. This is Don Rose, Jane Byrne's first campaign manager. They were mortal enemies. He uh, conceived it that way, and uh, uh, anything he had to say or do that might affect her presence or a reflection of her by naming a fountain or whatever, he would do. Rose says even though he and Byrne didn't part on the best of terms, he stresses that does not affect his appraisal of her as an historic figure. And to him, history paints Richard M. Daley as being very mean-spirited when it came to Jane Byrne. She was mean-spirited about him, too. So <laughs> if, if the positions had been reversed, he, she might uh, have tried to uh, uh, forget about naming anything after him. We weren't able to talk to Daley for this story. But other people tell me Daley is not to blame. I don't know that I would sign on to that particular theory. He never, in my presence, expressed any uh, reluctance to have Mayor Byrne honored in any way. This is Ed Burke, the powerful, longtime Chicago alderman hailing from the southwest side. Alderman Burke served on the council during Byrne's time in office, and he recalls that she eschewed any recognition. And talk about history. Burke and Byrne go way back. Even though he was the alderman who introduced the honorary naming proposals for her this year, he's the same Ed Burke that she called out on the campaign trail back in 1979 as part of the, quote, cabal of evil men who ran the council. Well, it was the uh, legendary uh, British statesman Edmund Burke who once said that in politics, there are no permanent enemies, no permanent friends, only permanent interests. And I think it is in the municipal interest that a uh, person who achieved what Jane Byrne achieved in our history should be accorded an appropriate uh, honor. Now, you might be tempted to think there's nothing at stake in honoring a mayor or naming something after her or him. But there is an argument for why it matters. If it's worthwhile for a city to consider its own history and whether a particular mayor played a part, maybe it's good to settle that sooner rather than later. That would be Kathy Byrne's argument anyway. For Women's History Month, you know, little girls are always asked to pick a woman and try to do an interview. And my mom would do these interviews, and there wasn't really anything that she could point to that had her name on it. And I think it was a kind of disillusioning, or the worry that it would be disillusioning to, to little girls that they could do all this work and have these achievements, and then it might be ignored. For Byrne, getting her mom's name on something and the back and forth it took to make it happen in the first place isn't about the personal stuff. It's because in her mind, it's almost as if her mom's legacy didn't exist without something tangible that new generations could see and learn from and maybe be inspired. Reporting for this story came from me, Lauren Chulgin, with help from Trisha Bobita, who is now WBEZ's senior editor of digital and co-host of her own excellent podcast, Nerdette. Support for Curious City comes from the Conant Family Foundation. And a quick note, since we released this story, 
The Jane Byrne Memorial Plaque at the Water Tower has been installed, and the city also put her name on the Circle Interchange, which joins the three expressways just west of Chicago's Loop. It's now called the Jane Byrne Interchange. And we also want to mention that Paul Green, the expert that you heard on Chicago politics, who was interviewed in this story, passed away in September of 2016. Hey there, podcast listeners. Curious City's been around for over three years, and we've answered a lot of your questions, including one about Chicago's dating scene. Are you on a date right now? I'm not sure. Um. <laughs> one listener asked the Illinois Secretary of State this awkward question. Mr. White, uh, why are there so many portraits of you at the uh, Chicagoland DMVs? Well, this is something I started. <laughs> And you wanted to know how Illinois operated without a budget for two years. We're trying to run our state this way. It's really ridiculous. So now we want to hear from you about how we're doing. You can weigh in by filling out our podcast listener survey, which you can find at wbez.org slash Curious City. Thanks. Next time on Curious City, if a Chicago neighborhood needs street or sidewalk repairs... All they do is go to the older man and say, Godfather, I need my alley fixed. And that's the old way. The new way, according to some, is something called participatory budgeting, where residents vote on how infrastructure money gets spent. But does participatory budgeting really empower citizens, or is it just good PR? That's next time on WBEZ's Curious City. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.